1: Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go Fur. With me this week is Andy, GopherGuy05.
0: I am here so I don't get suspended.
1: <laughs> and you Street. Hey you Alright, well, okay, let's just get right into it. What the ever-loving hell was that offensive play calling? Mike Sanford, you are making me so angry and... Frankly, you should go away now, is kind of my feeling. And I'm going to turn it to one of you two to expand upon that
0: thought. I mean, he literally broke Blake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. I, I would say, I here's what I would say about uh, the game on Saturday, which was eminently frustrating. But I just wanna make some minor, minor points. The fact that Minnesota had a huge time of possession advantage is irrelevant if you don't run that many plays. This is indeed the the sort of major revolution that comes out of Chip Kelly, speed era, obviously before Chip Kelly too, you know how everything. But it's not time of possession that matters, it's the number of plays you get to run. Minnesota doesn't run too many plays, And a consequence of not running too many plays is if they make mistakes, which, oh boy, did they make a few on Saturday, you don't really have a huge margin for error. And I don't think this offense is very good at passing the football. Now, whether or not the offense is not very good at passing the football is because schematically they are doing things that make zero sense, which... I which
1: which is my opinion. Yeah, I think they I, would be much well, better I, if my, they passed, My
2: opinion know. on whether or not it would be preferable that Mike Sanford found a job elsewhere is well known at this point. But also from an execution standpoint, yeah, it's probably the case that the wide receivers are not doing what they should be this year, even within those routes. I mean, the last couple of years... Wide receivers have been open substantially more often. Yes, there's wide receivers dropped. The pass protection for the from the offensive line at critical moments have not necessarily been there. I am also very much on the view in that, as I've said before, I think Tanner Morgan is a fabulous person. It is unquestionably the case that Tanner Morgan is better at football than I ever am, would, have been, etc. Whatever if you could go back in time travel, whatever tense that would be, Tanner Morgan is still better at football than I am. He's much better at throwing a football in particular. But at this point it would be worth maybe asking if there is somebody else in that quarterback room who could take some game snaps. So all in all, you get a situation where, broadly speaking, I thought the defense generally played pretty well, and they had two sort of oops plays, but that really shouldn't have mattered. Minnesota should have won a game against Iowa. They did not in a very choky sort of fashion. That was was frustrating.
1: Andy, do you feel like expanding, or should we move on to other topics. I mean, we can we can go rant on this. Well, i I, I'm
0: not... I won't go full rant. I'll, I'll keep it short. It's just yeah, I mean these these missed opportunities are what's obviously the most frustrating. I mean, you're you're looking at a game, you know, that frankly, if they had played like they played against half the other Big 10 teams they played this year, you win that football game. And it's just you have got key players making key mistakes. You've got coaching decisions making key mistakes when you just can't let that happen, and it, it's happened repeatedly. Um, you know, and it and it's it is frustrating that it's like, you know, you had you had PJ Fleck in his in his press conference Monday, basically throwing his wide receivers under the bus, basically saying, well, they got to make all these catches, and those were those were catchable balls, and those are good balls, and it's like, well, yeah, but you shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Um, I, I don't know. Like I said, we'll have to see. I mean, as we get into it, they should hopefully destroy Indiana this week. And then it'll come down to, again, a game that probably will make or break everybody's impression of the season and in Wisconsin. And if you can win one, obviously, then probably a lot is forgotten. If you get blown out, then, you know, Honestly, probably the grumblings are even less than if you somehow lose by a touchdown. But, um, you know, it's it's just it's the frustrating little things that are driving this fan base crazy, and, and I can't blame them. You know, you saw a lot of frustration come out in a couple of our blog posts. You've seen a lot of frustration come out from other Gopher fans on the Internet. And I just hope that... Depending upon what happens these last few games, that PJ Fleck can do some soul searching and realize that something's gotta change because there are a lot of fans who wanna be with him the entire way but are getting fed up by a few different things and and they're not going to uh, they're not gonna go quietly into this offseason if if things don't get figured out. I'm going to make a
1: statement that may seem uh, patently absurd, but that I think <clears throat> holds truth.
2: I love, I love this windup. I might say some, <laughs> I might say some real dumb stuff, but it also might be true. <laughs>
1: uh, no, I actually, I think it's going to sound dumb, but I think it is actually quite accurate. P.J. Fleck and Kirk Ferentz are closer together, uh, uh, kind of temperamentally, in their core of who how they like to operate, than anyone gives them credit for. PJ's whole approach, of course, wildly divergent from Kirk Ferentz, uh, notably in areas of not hiring racist strength coaches, and to things like slogans. But they want to run ball control offense. They are completely comfortable with offensive scheming that is, frankly, outdated and, or, or uh, just not working. And uh, they are resistant to change in the face of obvious facts. Um, they, will, they will be willing to say some things that are in opposition to some obvious facts if it you know, temperamentally feels difficult to be the opposite way. Now, I actually think if to be to add some context, Kirk Ferentz is way more of that than P.J. Fleck is. It didn't take P.J. Fleck too long to make a change with Rob Smith. Hopefully, it doesn't take him too much longer to make a change with Mike Sanford. You know, Ferentz would would have stuck with Rob Smith for like another two seasons before he made a change. He's kind of like uh, Fitzgerald in that regard. Um, but at their core, they they want a similar style of offense and they are completely willing to buck some obvious external thoughts that are frankly correct. Uh, and in turn, piss off their fan bases over little annoying things on a regular basis.
2: Yeah, I think that's got, Am I I think that's got some truth to it. Admittedly, I think there, there are areas where it's different. It's certainly the case and this is some part with the offense, PJ Fleck is also the head ball coach. If he wanted a different offense, he could tell them to run some different stuff. Mike Sanford does not have that much freedom.
1: Yeah, that's, I think that's the frustrating part for me is, I I mean, look, Fleck is clearly comfortable with the game plan that's being called. Alex is right about that. Um, where it really comes down, I, I would prefer more a higher pace of play, uh, more plays being called over the course of the game. I can live with a grinded out offense. Like, when it's operated well, it's frankly kind of enjoyable to watch uh, in a perverse, you know, gray sky, three yards clouded dust way. But you have to call things that are complementary to it. You have to be willing to identify what you do well and what you don't do well and do those things. Frankly, that is what... Coach Shiraka, what Kirk Shiraka did, he, he ran an offense that did the same thing. It ground a lot of clock as long as you weren't, um, you know, uh, having an explosive play touchdown, which, thankfully, he also was able to engineer. But when they were just, I mean, uh, sticking out in my mind in this particular moment is the last drive of the Outback Bowl went over Auburn. When they wanted to grind that mother out, they ground it out. But they did it in a way that used the passing as part of the offense, didn't make it this weird thing you occasionally did, and when you did it, that you did it in some way that just didn't fit your strengths. He did it in a way that was a complementary part of the offense that enhanced what they did. And yes, the wide receivers they had were arguably a little better,
2: but not so but much. I think slightly more than arguably. Sli- sli- slightly more.
1: I, I'll be honest with you. I honestly feel these wide receivers would look a lot better if they were running the 2019 offense. Oh,
2: I don't get me wrong. I don't think, I think that's absolutely true. I, I think one of the other things from 2019 that is also the case, especially from a quarterback play is that with his like one baffling drop a game aside, Tyler Johnson is the best college wide receiver that Minnesota has had possibly in my lifetime and if not in my lifetime the only other person who would be only other persons who would be close are Eric Decker and Rashad Bateman and Rashad's lining up on the other side for a while so I think that they could make some they could make some of those
0: things why are you besmirching the memory of Drew Wolitarski (laughs) Hayo um, A.J. Barker has words. Hayo
1: Carpenter wants to wants to throw down with you.
2: Logan Payne. We've had a lot of wide-speed receivers, frankly, here. But, no, I mean, your, your point, I completely agree with your point, Chris, that in a different offense, these wide receivers would look better. I think it is reasonable to wonder, in the current scheme they're in, just how good they are. Because it at least seems as if this team is uncomfortable passing the ball. And that is really strange from what we've seen over the Fleck tenure, where that has never been true. And if it has been true, certainly not to the level of extreme that it's been over the last few weeks.
1: All right, that's – do you got more? I don't know that I want to spend too much more time on this or I'm going to go crazy. I, 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 came, in a, I, don't want, I came
2: in in a pretty good mood. I feel myself slipping. I want to bring it back. Well, I don't have any more on this, but I do have some other stuff that happened on Saturday that uh, brought brought joy, brought smiles, brought well, smiles. Let, let's. What did you laugh about? Well, <laughs> did you know that it's possible to for Kansas to beat Texas? <laughs> I mean, I knew it was possible for
1: Kansas to beat Texas at Kansas. <laughs> I I honestly didn't think it was possible. Even in the worst of worsts for it to happen at Texas. And then that walk-on fullback who now has Applebee's uh, uh, contracts, uh, Applebee's cash in his pocket r- recording commercials. I don't know the kid's name. I'm so happy for him.
2: Jared that Casey, he's a man of two first names.
1: <laughs> until, he, until he stepped onto the field and said, no, 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 talented uh, bag men, recruited Texas players. This walk-on fullback is going to ruin your life.
2: That walk-on fullback made 800 bucks and $1,000 in Applebee's gift cards for his participation, which means he has $1,000 in diarrhea coming his way.
1: I'll be honest with you, I feel as though that was he was underpaid. I think simply for the win alone, that's a $10,000 contract, and you cannot at me about that Well, that's out. true. It, it, but it's, maybe it's if he goes it, after it,
2: nine and gets half price apps, it's what? it's more more acceptable.
0: <laughs> and and, it, and it's just a regional Applebee's deal. It's only Applebee's in the state of Kansas. And let's be honest, how many Applebee's are there in the state of Kansas?
2: I'm not going to look gonna, it up, but I am. Going I am going to gonna look. I am going to look it
1: up, but I'm going to I'm going to guess that it is five, five at most. Um, and if it's more than five, it's only eight, and those additional three are entirely in the uh, the. Um, well, you know what? No, because the the Kansas City Metro. I, I don't think the Kansas side of the Kansas City Metro is really going to have that much. So
0: <laughs> I'm going to stick with five. You,
2: you are five. wrong, but it is close. I was going to go. I was going
0: to. It's seven. Okay, I was going to go four. I was going to go under, but. seven.
2: There are apparently seven Applebee's Grill and Bar in Kansas. Two in Kansas City. Now, whether or not one of those is actually on the, you know, on the other side, unclear. Three in Wichita, one in Park City, and one in Hayes. Which? Wait, 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 wait! wait, wait, wait. You're, I was gonna say, not, you're,
0: you're, you're dropping the lead here. There are. There's
1: not one in Lawrence, and there's not one in Manhattan. No, no, no. All there right. are three in Wichita.
2: <laughs>
0: I'm Wichita just, just is not that what,
2: big. How can it support three Applebee's? Look, look, I don't, man, everyone needs half price apps. I don't know. Just, you know, we, by the way, get 15% off your first order with Homefield Apparel using the code Daily Gopher. But we are definitely <laughs> in the mood for more sponsorship. And I will tell you Applebee's North Rock Road, Wichita, Kansas, Applebee's Ridge Road, Wichita, Kansas, or Applebee's Broadway, Wichita, Kansas we are here if you're willing to give the walk-on jerry casey 800 bucks and a thousand dollars in gift cards in order just because he you know beat texas in overtime i don't we'll do it for 250
1: (laughs) i just want to call out right now that the cozy Inn in salina kansas really one needs to pay this kid some money to rep their amazing sliders and two just send me some of your sliders and we'll rep you here uh I don't need money i want you they'll send them to me with a dry ice cozy in if you somehow hear this send me those sliders
2: casey's also apparently working on lewis automotive group the other thing about this the you know texas kansas is texas is now four and six on the season after firing tom herman so i think it's going real well in austin I found some other things funny uh, and, and Andy and I were talking about this, so so Andy, you can probably provide more. but we also, if I if I recall correctly, shared many a laugh at the Mississippi State Auburn game.
0: Yeah, the fact that uh, that Auburn went up twenty eight to three and thought they had the game well in hand in the second quarter and then Mississippi state and uh, and the pirate scored forty straight points on on Auburn. And uh, and cruise to a fairly comfortable, uh, I don't know what a forty-four to thirty-four, something like that. Final either way, but it was. Um, yeah, you don't see that very often in an SEC game. Forty straight points, unless it's like Alabama versus Vanderbilt or something like
1: that. Or or Alabama versus uh, uh, who were they playing this last week? Some nobody team who went up three nothing on them, and then Alabama rattled off. Well, like yes, that's points. that's
0: not an SEC game. That's a non-conference game.
1: New Mexico State, by the way, <laughs> on that one. Okay, t- touche, it's not an SEC I mean, it, was, no, it, no,
2: was, it, was, it wasn't State even... Well, they did beat Mississippi State 49-9 earlier this year. I mean, it
0: wasn't, it wasn't even in in Las Cruces. So you couldn't even get any Casa de Autos commercials. You had to just live with whatever was going uh, on in Tuscaloosa.
2: Have you all ever heard the Mike Leach is asked a question about where someone should go on a date in Lubbock, Texas?
1: I roughly remember that
2: one. Well, anyway, given Jerry Casey has a thousand dollars in Applebee's gift cards, potentially might might use his newfound fame in order to score a date at one of the three Wichita, Kansas Applebee's, uh, or one in uh, Hayes Park City, or uh, or Kansas City. I don't know, maybe wherever he's going. Anyway, if he was on a date, and wasn't totally sure where to go, and why he should go to Applebee's. Mike Leach a long time ago back when he was the coach of Texas was asked or coach of Texas Tech was asked about this and said that you should assuming that you're a man taking a woman out on a date that's what he was responding to uh, said that you should take her to a restaurant that doesn't serve salad because you want a woman to eat in front of you quote she'll hate it but it's good for your relationship
1: Oh, that's really cringeworthy, actually. It's
2: incredibly yeah. cringeworthy and hilarious. Uh, and it's it's one of the things where he was asked, and it's not necessarily clear how much he was joking, if at all.
1: I kind of just assume he's actually just pretty serious most of the time.
2: Yeah, but there was a hint of it, because sort of at the end, he's like, you go to a coffee shop and make fun of the characters in there. So that, maybe there was a little bit, but um, suffice it to say, Mike Leach may have new dating advice, and that <laughs> dating advice might be, <laughs> bring 40 points on Auburn. <laughs> Before we move on
0: and actually talk about things other than irreverent things that our, our usual listeners might want to listen to, uh, I, I may have to apologize to the city of Wichita, which I didn't think was that big, but apparently the city of Wichita, Kansas, has 390,000 people in it.
2: Yeah, and three Applebee. One for- uh, I mean. That, that just makes about sense. every 100,000 people.
0: I mean, Wichita population-wise, I mean, we're not talking metro area here, but Wichita population-wise is only about 30,000 less than Minneapolis and is about 75,000 more than the city of St. Paul. So um, that might be our upper Midwest bias showing, but I had no idea Wichita was that big. I thought it was much uh, smaller than that. In fact, Park City is a suburb of Wichita.
2: The Wichita metro say. area. Basically every Applebee's in kansas seems to be <coughs> so if you're around chris you had something amusing that you saw this week when you weren't weren't really being that invested in minnesota for well
1: for, first i'm just going to simply note that uh hayes kansas is i've driven through it the, the fact that both uh manhattan and lawrence don't have applebee's and hayes does is a pretty crazy ass on its own um things that i really enjoyed. It wasn't exactly on Saturday. I am loving the fact that Michigan State seems about ready to pay $9.5 million a year to Mel Tucker. Um, you do you, Michigan State. I, you know, I, I know for me that when a guy brings in a bunch of transfers on a down year for the Big Ten and turns that into a great season, kudos to him for doing so. Uh, I know that that's exactly the time I want to sign myself on to a 10-year, $95 million deal that the buyout is just going to be horrible if he doesn't actually, you know, prove it long-term. I think
2: that's a Jeff Brome. uh, Isn't that what we refer to those contracts as? I,
1: I believe so, but at least Jeff Brome, you know, brought them, well, well, no, I guess he, did he get two bowl games? I think he got two boggles. At least, well, you know, it's a Jeff Brom. No, Jeff Brom didn't prove it yet either. It's it's a Jeff Brom contract, and you know, at least Jeff Brom. Uh, I was trying to come up with a way to give Purdue credit, and I don't have one. So they keep Brum beating
2: contract. top five teams. That's I guess that's that's the thing you might have to look forward to.
1: That's true. I mean, they won't do anything else you need them to do, but they'll sneak in some crazy top five ones. All right. Well, let's let's take it back to football just for a minute. Uh, offensive line somehow pro football focus thinks Minnesota is the best offensive line in the NCAA. I don't actually know how that's exactly true other than they're really good at running the ball, and we run the ball more than we do anything else. Um, it was just interesting, and I thought we should note that. Uh, but uh, Indiana, I mean, usually this is where Blake would step in for us, uh, but uh, he has been noted. He is a a broken husk of a uh, of a of a fan right now. So uh, please wish him a speedy recovery uh, as he goes through uh, this difficult time uh, with the Iowa loss. I want to uh,
2: much like much like when we talked about Northwestern. I legitimately have no idea about any aspect of the Indiana football program. Like I have no uh, idea who their quarterback is. I their coach is still uh, Allen.
1: Yeah, and actually, I'm sorry, that's another fun moment. It's actually completely Indian related For a while, while they were getting their butts kicked by Rutgers at home last weekend, uh, a bunch of dude fans, student fans, they, they left the student section to go to a section very near the student section and just decided that it was time to all go shirtless. And it started with like 10 dudes and then it was 50 dudes and then it was 200 dudes and by the end it was like a thousand dudes who all decided let's just jump up and down shirtless as the cameras went to them more and more and more and then suddenly third quarter halfway through just nah we're done i don't i've never seen anything like it honestly and students do a lot of stupid stuff i've i've never it's a
2: got to respect you got to respect the commitment to that bit that you know what we we're we're going to be like we're going to be like a brilliant punk band we're going to we're going to have one single that's really good and then we're going to quit
1: that's god that's a that's a that's a student migratory pattern i had not seen before the suddenly all jump around shirtless while we get our our team gets their butt kicked and then we disappear forever that's just anyway so uh, i say the hoosiers are bad so uh, they're
2: bad yes i agree I can't tell you who their quarterback is. I know that their original quarterback, Michael Panks, got injured. So that that I know. And,
0: and, and then their backup got hurt. So they are on their third string quarterback, who is true freshman Donovan McCulley. Um, Good name. He, he's he's probably going to make his fourth start of the year on Saturday. Uh, and he's throwing a crisp 42.7% completion rate on his passing this season.
2: Wow, Morgan-esque.
0: Yeah, so um, Indiana can't throw the ball. Uh, their their offensive line is uh, allowing two and a half sacks a game. Um, oh, and by the way, they're on their like fourth running back as well, except they don't have any more scholarship ones left, so they apparently are down completely to walk-on running backs. So, um, yeah, Indiana's offense is really, really bad. Bad enough to the point where like if somehow they score more than 14 points on this defense, it's going to be kind of embarrassing.
1: Good. Uh, I don't think defensively they're really all that good either.
0: Uh, they're slightly better at defense, according to Blake. Um, they're they're you know rushing defense. They're fifty fifth in the nation, allowing one hundred forty one yards a game. Seventy third in passing defense. They are allowing thirty two points a game. Um, they, they've got a middle linebacker who's who's really really good, um, but that's I mean that's about it. There. I mean they're old. They're a bunch of seniors. Um, but I mean Rutgers beat him thirty eight to three last week. And I think even with the Gophers failures in recently, you'd have to believe that we probably are at bare minimum on the same footing, if not better than Rutgers is right now. So um yeah, I mean frankly, there's no reason why this shouldn't be a sort of get right game to try and get some confidence back before before Wisconsin. This is this is not a game that should be close in any shape or form but it is minnesota so you know
1: yeah i mean bowling green in illinois still happens and iowa
0: i mean the biggest thing is going to be the the defense the defense can play but they've been they've been hung out to dry by their offense multiple times that their offense just throws up a three and out and the defense has to go out again so you know i have full confidence that you're going to see Minnesota ground and pound. And, and this will be one of those games that eventually they'll break it open. But knowing the way the Gophers want to do, if they can't get their success early, it could be very well, could be a, you know, 10-3 type of halftime score before they finally break free and, and drop 28 in the second half or something like that. But, um, you know, we'll just have to see what uh, what exactly Mike Sanford's got planned for Saturday cannot wait. It's... cannot wait. Oh, good lord.
1: The Sky U Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the good brand. You've heard us talk before about how excited we were to get them as a sponsor and we continue to be excited because as fall approaches they have restocked their crew neck and hoodie sweatshirts there's a Sweet Script uh, Minnesota sweatshirt out there right now, waiting for you to pick one up. If you have not already shopped for the first time at Homefield Apparel, make sure to go to homefieldapparel.com and use code DAILY GOPHER at checkout for 15% off your order. It's not just uh, Minnesota gear, there are sweet stickers from all sorts of historic logos across NCAA. Uh, I have a Tulane Green Wave sticker that I've had my eye on that I got to go pick up. Uh, whatever it is, Make sure to get over to homefieldapparel.com, find it for yourself, feel good in it, look good in it, and enjoy every moment with your new gear. That's homefieldapparel.com, code Daily Gopher. All right, basketball, um, the women seem to be figuring it out, uh, uh, we'll get to them here because I want to have us talk about UConn with the, you know, dream, the impossible dream moment. The men are 3-0, and won uh, the Asheville Classic Invitational something, I don't know, whatever they called that little tournament that happened in Asheville. For
2: $42, you can buy a t-shirt. Yeah, that... and
1: it's the
0: Asheville Championship, of course. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Um... Do you think sure. it's kind
2: of ridiculous that there isn't some silly artisanal like beer or cocktail that you could buy for winning the Asheville championship? I mean, it, like in it in should have been sponsored
1: by a brewery. It it should have been sponsored by a brewery. If it wasn't, I don't actually know if it was. It should have been.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I'll keep teams... an eye out.
1: Maybe maybe they have maybe they have some Asheville championship cocktails on the menus. I'm I'm in Asheville this weekend, so I'll let you know. But. Um, The men are 3-0. I mean, I still have absolutely no faith that this is going to hold as any sort of ongoing success story. But uh, the feeling I hear, those of you who are trying to be a little more alert to them than I have been so far, is that, you know, if they play solid and and don't make too many mistakes, this team could definitely sneak a few Big Ten wins in.
2: They are going to their their ceiling. And I mean this very honestly. If Minnesota wins eight games in conference, Ben Johnson is the coach of the year. And it is not close. Just not even close. However, what has been nice to see is that they are playing a reasonably fun brand of basketball. So for being a team that I don't think is very good, they are not boring to watch. The Jameson battle has come in, been a really good scorer, just straight off the deck. I think he's going to be, be a solid player. It is, of course, somewhat difficult to tell how good he's going to be when they actually face a defense that's worth anything, and so kind of blanket him, which is what I would do if I was defending the Gophers, but he's been solid so far. Peyton Willis has looked okay as a point guard. There's a lot of kind of other pieces that are coming in. The rotation currently is pretty small, So it's only seven or eight guys. I suspect that has as much to do with trying to figure out consistent minutes for a team as it does anything else. You know, from a talent perspective, I don't think there's a massive talent drop-off between the seventh player and the ninth player so much as let's just try and get rotations working. But that said, they could have lost any of their first three games, and they didn't. So that's, that's a positive. I'm here for that.
1: I mean... Yeah. I got nothing to add. I really I haven't watched a single minute of basketball. I was gonna to try to sound smart for a second, but let's let's not pretend. I, I haven't I, I haven't tuned into yeah,
0: that. I mean the Gophers did get a bit of a schedule boost. I mean they've so far have beaten Kansas City, Western Kentucky, and Princeton. So exact not exactly murderers row, but Kansas City did go into uh, Big Brother, uh, University of Missouri and, and beat the Tigers in Columbia uh, a night or two ago. So I mean Admittedly, that win automatically looks better right now after they pull that upset. So, I mean, there there is a there is I mean, let's put it this way: this team could go cold and whatever. But I mean, there is a very reasonable chance that we were wondering if this team was going to win five, six games all year, and they legitimately could be six and zero before they actually get a, a their toughest task. I mean, they play Purdue, Fort Wayne at the barn Friday night. Uh, They get Jacksonville in a revenge game for the women uh, before (laughs) before Thanksgiving. And then they play at Pittsburgh in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and from all accounts, Pittsburgh is just god-awful. So, I mean, they very easily could be 6-0 before they travel the next weekend to Mississippi State before coming home from Michigan to Michigan State at the barn, which might be just absolutely butt-kickings. But uh, I think if you had asked anybody... Gophers might start 6-0, they would have looked at you like, what the hell are you talking about? So it could be a very pleasant surprise to start
2: the year. I think, too, when I mean that they're a tough out, I agree with you, Chris, that they, they definitely do not have the capacity to be an upper half of the Big Ten. That's just not the case. Their ceiling, and that squinting really hard and having everything break their way, is kind of low middle of the pack Big Ten. I just don't think there right now is enough talent on the roster. But what they absolutely could be is one of those deeply annoying bottom third Big Ten teams. And for the first season of Ben Johnson's tenure, honestly, from an expectation standpoint, that's a great expectation to be in. It gives you momentum to build as the program goes on, lets you establish an identity. I think teams that are hard to play against, even when they're not very talented, and as an example of this, so a recent one in the Big Ten, that is how I would have described Rutgers up until kind of last year, the last two years, that uh, you know they come in, and it's not that they're good. It's just they're really annoying to play. They're really hard to beat because uh, in Rutgers' case, they're very physical and everything. I think if Ben Johnson can get this team to have that kind of identity, that they're just really annoying to beat, even though they will probably be beat by most teams on their schedule. I personally, for year one, will be quite happy.
1: Well, you know, uh, Andy referenced the revenge game against Jacksonville. Obviously, the women had that complete uh, what-the-hell moment in their first game of the season. They seem to have pulled it together a little bit, although they're still doing that let's let teams back in the fourth quarter thing that has gone on for years now and frankly please stop it um UConn coming up next uh well they're playing the winner are playing right now we're recording on Wednesday night but the next game after tonight's game is UConn um Andy any anything fun to look for with uh that game
0: well uh just to clarify that tonight's game is over and the Gophers did not have to worry about uh, American crawling back in the fourth quarter. They easily cruised to a 73 56 win. Actually, I think they outscored them in the fourth quarter and played all 15 people on their bench, which I think might be a first for Lindsey Whalen. So that's, that's impressive. Um, no, I mean, yeah, number two, UConn in the opening round of the women's battle for Atlantis. Uh, poor Justin Guard, he doesn't get to do his sideline job uh, in Bloomington, Indiana on Saturday. He has to go to he has to go to the Bahamas instead to uh, to, to to broadcast the, the women's basketball tournament down there. So, um, I mean, obviously the the I mean the headline story is going to be. Uh, Lindsay Whalen versus Gino Ariema. I mean, those two seem to know each other pretty well. They speak highly of one another. Um, and it's going to be what, uh, Minnesota native page, page Buckers can do against her hometown team. Um, a lot. I I was I gonna say that the, the guess <laughs> they're, is they're they're gonna a get lot.
2: they're gonna get murdered. That's what's uh, gonna yeah, happen.
0: Yeah, no. I mean it, it it They've already they've already set up the bracket to set up a, a number one uh, Mississippi State versus number two UConn final. So um, that one that one's fully expected to happen. But yeah, um, you know I mean it'll be interesting to see defensively. To be brutally honest, who who guards Paige? I'm assuming it's gonna probably be Sarah Scalia. Um, yeah, she, I mean, I, I love Sarah, but no, 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 no. I, I, I will be frankly a little surprised if, if Paige doesn't get close to 30 points on Saturday and, and, uh, yeah, UConn should have absolutely no problem with the Gophers, uh, and then Minnesota gets but then again,
2: self- Minnesota football should have had no problem with Bowling Green, so... See, and that, and chance.
0: and this and this is where at at one point where you start thinking, okay, you know, maybe UConn's overlooking Minnesota, but I think with Whalen on the opposite bench, I mean, like I said, Gino and Lindsey are friends, I, and I don't think Gino will be in any position to have his team overlooking a, a Lindsey Whalen team just because there's no way he wants to uh, have that being held over his head. So I, I think Lindsey Whalen and the Gophers will get the full UConn experience on Saturday, and. Uh, you know, uh, good for them. It'll, it'll get them some some good preparation for what will be. A, I looked. Apparently, there's like four Big Ten teams in the top twelve in the country right now. So uh, yeah, good luck with that. But yeah, it's a really talented uh, conference,
2: and it's it's to be clear. I think that Minnesota on the women's side does have the potential to be a tournament team. I don't not a high seed in the tournament necessarily, but to be in the tournament this year, I think that is a good kind of. I wouldn't say it's a reach goal per se, but I think. Certainly it's a successful season if they get into the tournament. Having early games against really talented teams in some sense is a way of checking kind of where you are. The first game of the season is always weird. They shouldn't have lost to Jacksonville. Nonetheless, first game of the seasons are weird. They're now on a three-game winning streak. The defense looks like it's playing reasonably well, as it should against lower-level competition. So to get that kind of gut-check game early in the season and a game where, frankly... Only one team has to worry about the result. Not a bad place to be.
1: Hockey. Uh, I'm going to uh, sum up the women uh, as this because they destroyed RIT this weekend, and we really do not uh, need to go in depth on this one. <clears throat> the women. Uh, they beat RIT 17-1 to 1 across both games. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Andy, they scored 10 goals on Friday night. RIT is bad. Yeah,
0: no, RIT is the worst team in the country. They're 0-14 this year, and it's probably not a good sign when your opponent puts in their fourth-string goaltender in the second period of a game, as Minnesota did twice this weekend.
1: I'll be honest, it's pretty clear to me that there are going to be high school teams in the state of Minnesota that would easily skate just... All over the place on RIT. And and the
0: thing is, which is amazing, granted, I mean, it's college athletics, we can see how things were, whatever, that prior to this series, the one other team, one other time Minnesota and RIT had faced was the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament in 2016 when the Gophers beat RIT at Ritter Arena. So in five Mm, years, they went from. That's a long fall. In five years, they went from NCAA tournament team to currently 0 14.
1: All right, uh, the men—we're uh, we're still Jekyll and hiding this thing. It feels like.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, this team, for whatever reason, they're—they're—they're they're, they're seven and five overall this year, and, and for whatever reason, Friday nights they've just crapped the bed. Um, you know, they went into—they uh, got the nice sweep over Notre Dame. Uh, they blew the game Friday night in Wisconsin, losing in overtime, and then this week they had a three 0 lead over Ohio State, and then crapped the bed again, losing four three. Um, this team, for whatever reason, just goes through phases where they lose that killer instinct and they go back to playing that pretty boy style of hockey where instead of putting the puck on net, they try and make the prettiest passes and they try and make the plays. I mean, the game-winning goal for the Buckeyes on Thursday night came after Ryan Johnson. Um, first, there was a turnover in the go for offensive zone, which allowed Ohio State to come to the zone. And then Ryan Johnson picked up the puck and literally tried doing like a point guard spin move on his own blue line. Got checked, lost the puck, and the Buckeyes came in on a two and one and scored the what would end up being the game winning goal. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing? That it's just stupid. They came back and went one two nothing uh, Saturday night. Um, you know, so they they made the most out of out of that at least getting the split, but. Um, You know, Penn State comes into town this weekend. Um, Penn State's not quite as good as they have been in in previous years. I mean, arguably on paper, the Gophers are a much better team. It should be a sweep, but um, Minnesota just in their brains has got to actually put the pedal to the floor and and figure out how to put a team like this away because, of course, Penn State always has offensive teams. They will not even think twice about putting the puck on Jack LaFontaine and LaFontaine has struggled this year so I mean there's if they can put pucks on net there's no guarantee that they can't uh, they can't put them past the gopher goalie so Minnesota's going to actually have to play offense and, and play smart um, and not overlook Penn State uh, as the, the weekend after Thanksgiving uh, the gopher's head up to uh, Grand Forks for a big series against North Dakota.
1: Cross-country uh... Making it happen in the uh, NCAA uh, tournament.
0: Yeah, they, uh, the, the Gophers, they, uh, the Gopher women ranked number five in the country. They won the Big Ten, and then last weekend was the Midwest Regional held down in Iowa City. Uh, the Gopher women won that, uh, getting one of two automatic spots to uh, the NCAA championship meet, which is this weekend down in Tallahassee. Uh, the men finished fourth, uh, putting them right on the bubble. Uh, the way the cross-country team, there are nine regionals, two automatic bids from each is 18, and there's 31 total teams. So there were 13 at-large bids up for grabs. Uh, the Gophers did get one, so both the men and women will be in Tallahassee Saturday at the NCAA Championships. Uh, Gophers finished. The women finished fifth as a team last year, their highest ever finish. Um, I think there's a legitimate chance they could be right in that ballpark again here on Saturday. Uh, you've got the, the two Haas sisters who have won the last two individual Big Ten championships. Uh, Abby Cohort Jackson, who's finished in the top five, uh, both in the Big Ten and in the Midwest Regional. So. Uh, if you can get really good times from those three and then get your get your back-end runners to, to run great races, I think there's a good chance that the Gophers could end up with another top-five spot in the country on Saturday. Uh, you can check that out. It looks like I believe it starts at about uh, 9.45 our time live on ESPNU. So uh, hopefully the Gophers can uh, get off to a good start and uh, hold on and, and get another really high finish in the NCAA championships. So
1: for volleyball, does the loss to Penn State pretty much take them out of contention for the Big Ten title?
0: Uh, It was Purdue, not Penn State. Uh, Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Purdue, Purdue, yes. So yes, Uh, no, it doesn't. But they now need some help. Had had Minnesota beaten Purdue, they would have been the three way top, uh, three way tie for the top of the Big Ten. Uh, instead, they're now a game back. Wisconsin, Nebraska, are thirteen and three. Purdue, Penn State, Minnesota, all twelve and four. Uh, the Gophers have four matches left. Uh, they play Rutgers Friday night, which Rutgers is zero and something in the Big Ten, so that will be an easy win. Uh, and then the home finale, they they host the Badgers on on Sunday. If you can beat Wisconsin. Arguably, you're probably back in in that tie for the top spot. I I don't know exactly who Nebraska still has left on their schedule. Uh, The Gophers will finish the year at Penn State, so you're going to have another big, high-profile match there. so you're going to have to probably beat both Wisconsin and Penn State if you want to if you want to win the the Big Ten title. Uh, taking a look, uh, Nebraska hosts Penn State this weekend. Yeah, Nebraska. I mean, and this is where I'm saying if you can beat Wisconsin, you can beat Penn State. Nebraska finishes Penn State at home, at Wisconsin, at Purdue. So there aren't any easy wins on except for Rutgers on uh, Nebraska's schedule. There, they they easily could drop three of their last four. Um, so honestly, yeah, between between Wisconsin, Nebraska, Purdue, Penn State, Minnesota, any one of those teams still has a shot to win the Big Ten, depending on how they finish their, their last four. Um, at this point, the biggest thing for Minnesota is to keep getting wins and continue to bump up in the RPI. They were up to 12 at one point. It looked like uh, prior to the match this weekend, they're dropping back down to that 15-16 slot. Uh top 16 teams will be able to host the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament. So it's probably going to take the Gophers winning at least one of two against Wisconsin or Penn State here the next two weekends to make sure you can clinch that uh, first and second round NCAA tournament home home court. But, um, you know, they're right, right in the thick of things. They just need to execute and, and not have these lapses where uh, they play great for a set and then absolutely look atrocious. So uh, going to have to bring it for For all four matches and and if you go three and four down the stretch, that hopefully will be enough.
1: All right uh predictions predictions time uh, I'll go twenty seven fourteen uh, Minnesota. Andy
0: yeah i I have confidence that they're gonna get back to what they need to do. Um, Indiana is bad, real bad. Um, so I do think uh that the Gophers should should get right this week. I'm gonna say it's gonna be thirty-eight to ten.
2: Minnesota easily
1: covers. Well, here's hoping. Uh, yeah, here's hoping. I I I just I I can't I can't even fathom a loss to this Indiana team. So let's not let's not fathom it. They're going to win, and then we can start talking about all the delicious Thanksgiving foods and Wisconsin. But uh, you have that to look forward to next week. Um, In the meantime, make sure to read uh, Blake's preview uh, when it comes out this week. Keep uh, tuned to the blog for more uh, coverage of the Indiana game. And in the meantime, go Gophers. Sky you Row the boat.